Hello everyone, and thank you for tuning into part two of Empty Pocket Preachers. We're going to pick up exactly where we left off in the last episode. I'm here with Chris Grinstead, the pastor of Greater Heights Baptist, and Jacob Grinstead, the youth pastor of Greater Heights Baptist. I'm your host, John Booth, and this is The Conversation at the Heights. going to recap the points that we've discussed so far number one polar opposites partnering together in prayer the examples were peter and john on their way to the temple point two is the hour of prayer we walked through uh, four different examples of the ninth hour and their significance and what that means for the modern church and now we are discussing the importance of assembling themselves together so jacob what are you saying as a youth minister when it comes to the youth, what what is it like when you're trying to get them to get together? I imagine it's like herding cats, but let's hear it <laughs> firsthand. Well, yeah, um, I've sat back and even with Pastor Means and tried to, we've tried to come up with what's the best way possible to try and present in a way that they would want to come or maybe give them so many days to where, you know, it'll fit around their schedules. But it really comes down to, um, the want of coming, wanting to come to church, and sorry if I get on, get off on a tangent, but you really see the youth being so lied to and so blind um, to the to even the peace and the true joy that comes um, with a church community, with a church family, with coming together and learning about Christ. Um, as we were talking about earlier of a lot of people just being at home and opening up their Bible and saying, that's my church for the day. And that's not what God, God's calling us to do that, but that's not assembling together. Um, what I, what I see what's sad and in our community specifically is you see, you can go on Saturdays and you'll see the ballparks empty. You go up on Sunday and the ballparks are packed, right? Why has Saturday been replaced with Sunday? Why, why is it such a blatant attack on the church? And it's like people, I hope I don't sound frustrated, but it's like people are so blind to how blatant of an attack it is on the church of, hey, we know and we see that that's the day of church. It's very, especially in the South, it's very well known. Sundays are the days that we have for church. Well, guess what? We're going to tournament. Yep. Boom, done. And so what the coaches will even do, and this is what I'm seeing in the high schools and the middle schools and the travel teams, even in rec teams, the coaches are giving these students commitment papers to where they have to sit down with their family and sign. They're legit signing their lives away. They're signing the commitment paper that they're going to be at every practice. They're going to be at every game. And so when it comes time for, hey, we have games on Sundays, um, the, it's like even parents are like, well, we need to teach our kids um, to – that they committed to something so figured out. And they're not even thinking about the commitment that they've made to Jesus Christ. And I'm afraid that the problem is, is that they haven't made a commitment to Jesus Christ. Right. Um, they're being committed to what they said they're going to be committed to. They're not even worrying about their commitment to Jesus Christ. And so the whole, I believe the devil is at a really strong work here in Forsyth County, specifically using sports to get them to not even have Jesus Christ on their mind. Right. Yeah, to to speak to it, if it's um, scripturally, the truth, the facts are these: is that the Bible plainly teaches in Second Thessalonians 
that because they were not lovers of the truth, God's going to send a delusion mm-hmm. so that they will believe a lie. So there's, there's a big lie coming. There's a big lie coming. But the delusion has started. Right. So one of the, one of the things where we just don't want to believe these things because uh, we, so many Christians have, well, people, I'm not even going to say Christians, I'm going to say people have been brainwashed. <clears throat> and it's this. The Bible plainly says, if you be without chastisement, so if you're walking in disobedience and you're without chastisement, the Bible says you're not a child of God. Right. You're not. And so I think what what is we're seeing people, they think, okay, um, God didn't kill me. I think Jacob said that in the break. You know, hey, I'm not doing right. God didn't kill me. So it must be okay. Well, that reminds me of a fellow by the name of Balaam. Mm-hmm. And the book of Revelations makes reference to the doctrine of Balaam, which is something that Jesus hates. And so what it, what it was is Balaam was a prophet for hire. You pay him and he'll prophesy, basically. And so he was hired by the enemy to prophesy a curse on the nation of Israel. Mm. He took the enemy of Israel's money, went to prophesy against them, stood up to speak and couldn't speak a curse. He would always end up speaking a blessing. God wouldn't let him speak a curse. God was always intervening. And so Balaam and the enemy of, of God's people got frustrated and so then what was developed is what the New Testament references as the doctrine of Balaam, the teaching of Balaam. Mm-hmm. Balaam said, I can't speak a curse, so let me teach you how to manipulate the children of Israel so that God can't bless them. Mm-hmm. And, he, and here's what he said. He taught them to infiltrate by the children of Israel marrying the children of this pagan nation. And it put him in the position to where, no, no, God didn't, he couldn't speak a curse, but God couldn't bless them. And see, that's what's going on mm-hmm. right now in, in around the world. It's not just Forsyth County, but it's around the United States altogether, is that people are being, they're, they're being tricked by the devil they're mingling this and that, and they're, and they're calling it whatever, some kind of accepted Christianity. And, but they're not, they're not walking in the full blessings of God. Right. right. And they're, I think that's what Peter, in getting back to even the point of religion can cause the blindness to our community of it, as like Peter and John, they paused right. everything else, and they looked, and, and yet, and Pastor even said this way, they looked into the soul of the man. They looked into his eyes. They paused and looked as into his eyes and then said, look on us. And so, Pastor, I want to ask you, and as a pastor, you've been a pastor in Forsyth County for how many years? Almost 19. Almost 19 years. So a pastor that's been in pastor for Forsyth County for 19 years, when you pause, because you have to do that as a pastor, when you pause and you look into the souls of the community and you look at the, 
spiritual needs of the community. What does the Lord place on your heart? What does the Lord even burden you with <clears throat> in, in times when in those times? Um This is going to probably how I'll, I'm just going to say it. Okay. <laughs> when I pastored in Tennessee, we had a ministry of outreach into what would be known as the red light district of Nashville. We would go down and set up a tent maybe in front of a hotel where there were a lot of prostitutes uh, families living in hotels. A lot of the people that we minister to that rode our buses uh, came from those neighborhoods. And so you would go down into those areas, and it was like, okay, the the emptiness that the drug abuse brought, the emptiness that the prostitution brought, the emptiness that just what would be known as just what would people say, the the... The gutter, yeah, life, and you looked at it, and you saw it, and it broke your heart. Mm. Been here long enough to know. The only difference, money. Mm. That's the only difference. This community, when you look into the lives of the people, they're. I don't mean to sound harsh, but they're just being pimped out. Right. To, um, to something else. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an addiction. But, but when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, they are not content. Right. It, they are, there's, there's a, a, there's, it's just a bunch of dissatisfaction. And, um, and it's equally... It's equally heartbreaking, but the sad part about it is most people can't see it. Like our story, this man was a beggar. Mm -hmm. You could see his malady. You could see his disability. He was a beggar. When you run around for Scythe, you don't, you, you don't necessarily see the guy in whatever Let's, let's pick out a high dollar, a Bugatti. You don't see the guy driving that. You don't, you don't see the bankruptcy. Mm. Does that make sense? Right. But, but spiritually, um, spiritually, they're, they're as dead. They're as dead as the, as the people we tried to reach on, on Dickerson Road in Nashville. I don't know what Dickerson Road is like now. But I'm just saying the way it used to be when I was in Nashville, Dickerson Road was a rough, rough place. Right. And um, you go down into those spaces and, and you're, you're like, okay, these people, well, now I'm here. And I'm, I'm God forgive me. I got to admit, it has taken time for me to see past. Okay. The cover-up. Yeah, this, the same discontentment mm. is here. Mm -hmm. It's just discontentment. Yeah, the Bible 
Jesus even talks about how hard it is for someone with that with that kind well a rich man to forsake all and follow after Christ. The Bible even talks about how hard that is. Um, I've had teenagers who have thought about going into ministry, especially being in the schools. Like you run into some really good kids. Um, the way I was talking earlier sounds like there might, there aren't any, oh, but sure, yeah, there, sure. there is. And so you talk to some. There's who, wonderful families here in Forsyth County. Oh yeah, County. yeah. Um, and so you run to them. Some of them are um, feel like they may be getting called to ministry, and so they ask, "What is it like ministering in this county?" And my response is, is I believe, um, quite possibly, it's one of the hardest counties to be um, ministering in. And they kind of are taken back. They're like, but, you know, that you have this, there's these huge buildings. There's these, everybody can build whatever. And I was like, but if you look at what Jesus teaches, it's, um, and Pastor, maybe you can quote it better. I don't want to misquote it, but entering through the eye of a needle. It's easier uh, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. Right. And so they say, um, they say Forsyth County is top 10 wealthiest counties in the nation. So I usually tell their people we're ministering in one of the top 10 hardest places to, to minister in, right. in, in the world. Well, you know, um, I, I don't, I don't want to come off as that, you, you know, you're just a, 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 against wealth. There's, Abraham was one of the wealthiest men in the world. Right. David was, was a king. Solomon was the wealthiest man of his day. Job. Uh, yeah, so it, 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 that's not the problem. Right. The money isn't the problem. I'm just, I, I, I cannot imagine how frustrating it must be to have what, you thought this house will do it, and you bought it. This car will do it, and you bought it. This whatever, and you bought it. And I can't imagine how frustrating it would be to have what you thought would do it and then realize it's empty. Right. I'm a, yeah, go ahead, brother. Uh, that's why I love what we were talking about a little bit ago, the importance of coming together. As a community. First, I don't think people realize the what it's for. God, God gets nothing by us coming together. God gets nothing from us. Period. The a selling of ourselves together is for us. Mm-hmm. One, the the number one. This is just science. This isn't even Jesus. This is just science. Mm-hmm. The number one predictor of human happiness is a social support network. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. When you enter into a social support network ordained by the Lord, it it will come much more naturally. Two, you take on the characteristics of what you spend your time around. Mm-hmm. Jacob talks about it all the time. Show me what's in your heart and I'll show you what your life is going to look like. Mm-hmm. The people that are spending their time in the church take on the characteristics of the church. A Bible-believing church, a true right. Bible-believing church. You'll take on the characteristics of whatever church you're in, but <laughs> if you want to look like the Lord, spend your time where the Lord spends his time. Yeah. Three, if you want to be different than the people on Dickerson Road, 
it doesn't come through the money. Because, as you've said, and this is point four on the sheet, they shared in their poverty. And the non-believer, whether they be wealthy or not, shares in their spiritual poverty. Yeah. And it is even sadder for me to watch someone who has everything still be spiritually bankrupt. Yeah. I can understand being someplace that nobody wants to go and people haven't been to tell you the gospel and your circumstances are difficult. So you turn to the easy fix for me, there's a little bit of understanding or leeway there. I cannot, for the life of me, understand having everything and still choosing to be spiritually bankrupt. It is a choice. At that point, you have no excuse. There's a church every two miles. I, I could point out three of them. I could point any direction and find you a church from where we're sitting right now. Right. In a church. <laughs> in a church. We're sitting in a church, and there is a church there, 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 there. I know you can't see me on the podcast, but I'm pointing all over the room. <laughs> um, and, and yet, there are families desperately clawing, scratching for this thing. You said it on Sunday. They don't even know what it is. That's right. And we have people, even in this church, who know what it is but are so concerned with the baseball tournament, the money, whatever it is, that we can't even go out and tell them what it is they're looking for, and they can't be bothered to find it. The, the beautiful thing for the, the people that live with less, when you tell them that Jesus is what you're looking for, they are very inclined to believe it. They... There has never been a time, as far as I know, as right now, that Christianity is sweeping other parts of the world so quickly. Right. Parts of Africa, Asia, the underground churches in China. We, the Ukraine. The Ukraine. Places that <laughs> are much, much worse off than where we're sitting right now. In a quiet building with a fully finished coffee shop and a booth with the lights on. Yeah. But they get it. Those people get it and understand. Yeah, and that's even when you look at the Laodicean church that we talked about earlier and the Acts church, it cost them, as Pastor talked about, it cost the church in Acts something. Hmm. It cost them their families. It cost them, some of them, it cost them everything. Um, And I think that's what, you know, sometimes it, well, it needs to, when you accept Christ, it needs to, it costs something of giving up, and we talked about this later, and this is kind of digressing, but giving up your will for God's will, get, you know, sacrificing. Um, but as you were saying, the poverty that they shared, and I was going to go ahead and read Acts chapter 3 as we end with the closing, with the closing um, points, but Acts 3, 4 through 6 says, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And I love the way that you put this in the point, Pastor, and I'm quoting it. You said, their lack 
all caps, their lack caused them to lean on what they did have. And that was the promised power of God. Yeah, when when you look at, um, when you do a bit of a word study on when it said that Peter looked upon the man and then then it goes on later to say, look, he tells the man, look on us. It's the same word. Mm-hmm. And Peter was saying, okay, I'm looking on you or I'm looking into you. When you look up the word, it actually is talking about looking into. And you referenced that earlier. He was looking past and looking into the man. Well, Peter says to the man, the beggar, look into us. And so he, he and then he, then he lowers the bomb on him, you know, because the guy, okay, I'm going to look, and I'm expecting now for you to give me gold or silver. And Peter looks at him and says, I don't have any gold or silver. What Peter's basically saying, I am just like you. Technically, he probably, that, that beggar at that moment, he probably had some, you know, if he had a tin cup, whatever the case may be, he probably had some silver and gold because people had been passing by him already. See, he probably had more silver and gold than those two men did. But Peter's saying, okay, I'm looking into you. I'm Now what you need to do is you need to look into us. And that's a very sobering thought. Mm. We can sit here, and we have, we have. We, we can sit here and we can criticize anybody and everybody about, about, you know, they go to ball games, they do all these things, blah, 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 blah. And we've done that. We've, 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 we've called attention to that. But, okay, now Pastor Grinstead just said a few minutes ago, what do you see when you look into the community? And I said, the same dissatisfaction that I used to see when I was in the poverty communities. Okay, pastor, let me look into you. Mm. What are they going to see? Are they going to see dissatisfaction in me? See, Peter and, and John, there was something about them that even though they silver and gold had they none, Peter had the courage to say, look into us. Financially, we're, we're, we're in the same boat. And so, but, but we're, we're different. Yeah. And I don't think he was doing an arrogance. I think he was saying there is a hope in us that you need. Not, not arrogance, but a desperation to share. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it, It, a desperation to share. I I love that this keeps coming up in each one of our podcasts. It's not intentional, but it keeps coming up. It keeps coming up in conversations I had with Jacob. The non-believer doesn't read the scriptures. They read you. Yeah. And you should want them to read you. Yeah. Because you know, while you are still human, still sinful, same as them, no better, no worse, you know that you have Christ. You know that Christ is sufficient for what they are looking for. Yeah. It's more than sufficient for what they need and it even surmounts the things that they don't need but have already. Yeah. It, you should want them to look into you. 
and and how many times do we as Christians just look at people instead of looking into them? We, we the service employee at the restaurant, or the attendant at the gas station, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We look at people. Thanks for my change. Thanks for my Chick Fil A. See you later. This was a really. This hit me hard as a younger man. I was I was maybe thirteen or fourteen. Actually, no, I would say I would say eighteen. My first year of college, my freshman year. This hit me like a Mack truck. The percentage of people that aren't Christian. I I had always assumed that we were in the majority. I thought, oh. I'll go to college and I'll find a couple of people. I really thought a couple of people to share the gospel. And what happened was I was so overwhelmed by the non-Christians that I didn't get to share the gospel with very many people at all my first semester, if any. Yeah. Because I was the minority. It was overwhelming. Overwhelming yeah. minority. And I was, I was not prepared for that. Yeah. And it, it hit me like a ton of bricks. For the harvest is many, but the laborers are few. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, the, the more we talk about it, the more I realize my life has to be something worth looking into. Mm-hmm. Has to be a representation. Not through any power of my own. Don't misunderstand me. Can't do it. Couldn't do it. Right. But through trust in Christ, hopefully, even just getting to know someone, I, I my greatest fear is throwing Jesus at people. I I hope to be Jesus to them. Yeah, and I can only point. do that through coming into communion and agreement with His power in my life. Yeah, and I think Pastor was making was when he was making the point it was a really good point that even in the service it hit me hard was the point of how strongly Peter and John believed in the promise that they were made by God. Right. Um, I got, you look at that, yeah. yeah, you look at that in Matthew chapter 10, mm. um, the promise that Christ made to Peter and John, but you see them believe in it so much, they go and carry it out. Right. They believed it so much, they told a guy, a lame man, said, get up and walk. Yeah, that's the part that, that hit me the hardest. I believe in the power of, of God and the power to heal. I've never healed anyone. Right. And I sat there asking myself, why? I, I know people that are disabled. Never healed anybody. Never laid hands and had them stand up and walk. Yeah. Why is that? And I'm afraid it's because of this, this oh, well, those were, the, those were the apostles. Those were the miracles that happened for the apostles. Sure. The power of God doesn't change. Yeah. But our, our, our level of faith well, yeah. definitely does. Yeah, I think it even goes in with that story of, if someone came up to me and said, "Hey, can you heal me?" I don't know if I, I don't know if I could or not, but I do know I may not be able to heal you, but I spiritually I can introduce you to Christ. Right. Um, I can't give you any money, Lord knows, <laughs> but I can introduce you to Christ, and I believe that I can I can believe in that promise enough to then go and do that. Um, and that leaves us with these last questions that Pastor left us. Um, as a church to think on, and I believe even as these listeners to go and think on, um, has, and you can fill in the blank with whatever this is of, if it's been sports, academics, if it's been 
money, whatever it may be, fill in the blank here, but has it gotten in the way of fulfilling your purpose um, and your purpose in Christ? Your purpose, I tell this to the teenagers all the time, your purpose isn't the scholarship. Your purpose isn't, um, you know, hitting the game-winning home run. That's not why God created you. That's that's that scripture that that scripture that so many, you know, put Philippians four thirteen. Yeah, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I, you know, we may end up catching some flack over what I'm about to say. Say it. It is a misinterpretation of that scripture to think that it means. I can knock a home run. Right. I can pitch a strike. Right. I can, I can, um, even the gentleman that may have introduced that mm. to the, to the young community, um, by, by putting it on his eye black, uh, I don't know what he meant by it, but if he meant, uh, it's so that I can be, um, uh, this, this sports hero. If, if that's, if that's what he meant, uh, he he missed it. Right. He missed it. This is the context of that scripture is dealing with I can be abased or I can abound. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It's so much bigger yeah. uh than um than sports. Than than sports. Imagine sports. if we believed I can heal the sick through Christ who strengthens me. Really believe that. Yeah, took it took it into these things that we were talking about that seemed like these crazy miracles, but through the power of Christ were happening on a daily basis. I was reading this this afternoon about Philip running out to the eunuch, speaking to this eunuch who's reading the book of Elias, I believe Isaiah, Isaiah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and and um, asked Philip, "Can you help? Can you help me understand this?" Mm-hmm. They they speak. The eunuch comes to understand, comes to put his faith in Christ. And Philip baptizes him, and then the Spirit of the Lord whisks him away to another city. Yeah. Something that seems impossible, yeah. but was normal for Philip. Philip pops up in this other city, and he begins preaching immediately. Yeah. I- imagine having that kind of faith to go, and, and, and this is what hit me so hard about it. It's not our place, while it is our place to come alongside those that, those that, don't believe and teach them about about the Lord. One hundred percent. You have to you have to get to know them to do that. And they did. Those two men got to know each other. It's not our place to sit around and coddle people all the way through Christianity. The power of Christ is sufficient. The Spirit of God is enough. Tell them the good news, and God will put you where you're supposed to be next to keep on preaching, to keep on spreading the word. Whether that's the ball field, <laughs> your yeah. job your school, all those places that you maybe go in an attempt to escape from the Lord. He, is, he has you for a reason. Yeah. Preach the word, move on, do what you're supposed to be doing, and don't get so wrapped up in the place you're in and the circumstances in which you find yourself. Yeah. In all circumstances, preach the word. Do, do God's will. It, you you would have a you'd have a hard argument you'd have, you'd really struggle to form an argument if the people that you're talking to and they're saying yeah sorry you know we well they're not even sorry uh, had the ball game Sunday yeah. blah 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 now if they came back and was saying you know what 
You know what happened at the ball field last Sunday? 15 people got saved. Right. I went out to that pitcher's mound. Or even one. Yeah, yeah, even, you know what I'm saying? I, went, yeah, out to, I yeah. went out to that pitcher's mound, and I was able to do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Mm-hmm. And he strengthened me, and I stood up on that pitcher's mound, and I preached the gospel. And, you know, some people trusted Christ. You ain't going to be able to argue against that. Right. You see what I'm saying? That's, yeah, or even that, just having a that's Bible doing, study with your teammates. That's you doing know. the work of an evangelist. Right. Um, so, as, as we said earlier, it isn't the money that's the problem. Mm. It isn't the ball that's the problem. Right. It's the deception mm-hmm. that's the problem. And uh, so when we, and I, I know we need to bring things to a close, and so um, these, these men, um, it's very challenging when you when you study that little passage there, it's very convicting, still under conviction, and uh, pray that I don't get out from underneath it. Um, one of the we covered this Sunday night. We didn't cover this Sunday morning. Was that he said to him, "In the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth, rise up and walk." Mm-hmm. But when you look in the passage, he actually lifted him up. He took him by the right hand and pulled him to his feet. Now that is a big deal. Mm-hmm. When when you when you grab a hold of someone and you say, "Walk," and they stand up, it, one of one of the most difficult things that I face and have faced as a pastor is preaching, live by faith. And then looking at somebody and saying, you've got to live by faith. Right. Years ago, I had a young man <clears throat> who believed that God wanted him to go off to college. And he asked me to pray with him about it. And um, so we did. We got down to the altar together. And we were praying. And when we were finished, I knew in my heart that God had told me, to tell him, you don't need to do that. And um, so I asked him, I said, well, what, do you, what did God tell you? And he said, I think God told me I need to go. And I looked at him, and it took, it, was, it wasn't easy to do. It wasn't easy. And I looked at him, I said, well, we've got a problem. He said, because God told me you shouldn't go. And then he said, i got to be honest with you, preacher. The whole time I was praying, I was saying, God, please tell him to tell me what to do. You see what I'm saying? And he didn't go. He didn't go. And uh, he's married, got a bunch of kids, and a pastor in a church, you see. Uh, I think it's the hardest thing in my life. One, Maybe not the hardest, but one of the hardest things is to genuinely preach, live by faith, and then in the conversations following, saying, well, this is the faith thing. Yeah. This is the faith thing. I think it's even easier sometimes for myself to live in faith than to get others to live. Oh, my. Yeah, one of... 
one of the hardest things that I ever did was look at a young man that I, this is, you know, I've got all these stories. When you get older, you have them. So looked at a young man. He came into my office. He was struggling. And he goes, I, I got to talk to you, Pastor. Uh, this is back in Tennessee. He's like, um, here's my situation. He told me his financial situation. And he said, if, if I tithe, I'm not going to be able to pay that bill. What do I do? Now, here, I was probably 27 years old. Right. Been pastoring two years. I might have been 28. And I looked at a young man about my age, a little bit younger, and having the same financial problems that I was having because when you're, when you're young, first married, and having babies, it's just expensive. <clears throat> and here's what I knew. I knew that I was benefiting financially from that man's tithe. Mm. The congregation was giving me, I don't know how much they were giving me at the time, but they were, you know, they were giving me a part-time salary, whatever. And I looked at him and I'm thinking, well, Chris, if you tell him to tithe, you know that a portion of that tithe it's not just going to pay the lights at the church. You're you're going to you're going to benefit. But I learned something in 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 with with God there that I've never gotten over. You're you're robbing the person if you don't tell them the right thing to do. And so I said, well. I know this is going to be difficult to hear, but I think the Lord would have you to go ahead and be obedient to the Scriptures. And he did. He was obedient to the Scriptures. And he's, he's fine. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? He, you know, to this, to this day, uh, he, he texted me Sunday and was glad to hear that I was feeling better, you know. So my, my point is, um, a lot of times we, we want to be sympathetic. The point that we made Sunday, would it not have been a tragedy had those men had money in their pocket? Right. That beggar would have never got up and walked if they had had money in their pocket and followed the suit of everybody else. So sometimes we find ourselves lacking empty because it's that emptiness that's going to compel us to live to live by faith. That that's one thing I've always said people tend to come to me with their struggles sometimes. And all I can say is I don't know why this is what you're going through. What I do know is that this experience uniquely qualifies you to help someone else that will go through the same thing. We've, Christians, born-again Christians, have all been spiritually poor. And it uniquely qualifies us, and we are called also by the Lord to help others going through the same thing. Amen. Which, as we discussed earlier, is the overwhelming majority. Yeah. So, a quick recap through the points. Point number one is that polar opposites partnered in prayer. Point two is the hour of prayer. After this point, we discussed 
the assembling of yourselves together and the importance of that. Point three is to pause and ponder. Stop, look around, discern the situation and discern what the Lord would have you do, which in essentially every case is be obedient and spread the word. Point four is the poverty that they shared. We have all been spiritually bankrupt. Others are going through spiritual bankruptcy at the moment. You are uniquely qualified to invest in them. The lack of causes you to lean into what you do have, which is the promises of God, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit for those that are born again. And then at the end, we ask two questions. What's getting in the way of your purpose, whether it be money, sports, etc.? And how have we become managers rather than the needy before the Lord? Amen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in. This is the Conversation at the Heights. I'm your host, John Booth. I was here with Jacob Grinstead, the youth pastor, and Pastor Chris Grinstead. Join us on Sunday mornings at 3790 Post Road, 1045 a.m. for our Sunday service, 5 p.m. for the Sunday afternoon service. We also have adult Bible study on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. as well as teen youth group on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go. Am I missing anything, Jacob? No, you're good. All right. Awesome. Also, check us out at the coffee shop during the week, 3790 Post Road, The Heights. Thank you, and good night.